This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equity Mates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics you need to start your investing journey. Are you joining us for the very first time or is this the very start of your investing journey? Well, before you dive into this episode we suggest going right back to the beginning of our feed. We strongly recommend you scroll up to the start and hit episode one. However, if you are feeling brave and just want to dive in, don't let us stop you. Here at Get Started Investing, we unpack all the jargon and confusing bits, hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating, and we want to have a good time along the way. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode. I'm loving this three-part series uh, formula that we've we've got going. Yes. And this three-part series, I think, is one that I have needed for years, because <laughs> we may have run an investing podcast for four years, more than four years, but that doesn't mean my personal finances are in order. You've got you know spreadsheet after spreadsheet to track everything. Thing. Um, I just kind of go by vibe. And so <laughs> I think this three-part series uh, is going to be really helpful for me and uh, hopefully for the Equity Mates community as well. Uh, so over these three episodes, we've partnered with Finder to talk about all things personal finance and getting your money sorted so you can start investing or like me, you can continue in investing with just a little bit more knowledge. Um, There really is no point trying to get started investing if you haven't got the basics sorted first. Finder is focused on helping Aussies save and grow their money. They provide the financial tools for you to achieve your goals. Whether it's saving for a holiday, buying your first home, or investing for your future, Finder will be by your side and empower you to live a rich life. That's right, Ren. And uh, to help you get sorted, Finder has launched the Ultimate Money app. With it, you can see all your accounts in one place, track your net worth, find out your credit score, and now you can also buy Bitcoin all in the one app. So check it out in your app store. As you said, Ren, we've got three amazing episodes coming up. Episode one is all about sorting your debt. Episode two is getting your money right. And then episode three is, well, now that we have our money sorted, what next when it comes to investing? And to kick off our three-part series today, we are joined by Graham Cook, Head of Consumer Research at Finder. Graham, welcome. Good day, guys. How are you doing? Very well. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. We're, we're, we're getting our way through lockdown here in New South Wales and hoping we're further through the end of the tunnel. There's, there's less time ahead of us than behind us. We'll just have to see how we go. Too right. So uh, you have been a previous guest on Equity Mates all the way back in 2018. So 
for those that are new to the Get Started Investing community, go and check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes. But Graham is a seasoned data journalist, loves digging into the numbers to find trends that matter to consumers. Graham manages Finders Global Research Team and regularly discusses consumer issues on Australian TV. Outside of Finder, Graham has written articles and judged awards for several publications, including the Australian Financial Review and Money Magazine. So we're going to be digging into a lot of things, all things personal finance, Ren. Yeah, that's it. Probably no one better to uh, give us the lay of the land uh, with Australians and their personal finance than you, Graham. So I think we'll start there and then we'll get into this conversation around getting out of debt. So your head of finders, uh, in my notes, I've got global research team, but I've heard I can't use the word global. So <laughs> head of finders, international research team. So indeed, let's, indeed. <laughs> let's start uh, high level. Uh, from all the data you're seeing and the research you're doing, what are some of the key issues Australians face when it comes to their personal finance? That's a really good question. Um, I suppose if you were to to sum it all up in one word, the one issue, I, the one word I would use to describe the issues here is probably apathy. We're not um, the worst in the world when it comes to financial literacy. Um, we're pretty well-informed populace. We also are pretty high in terms of um, the, the need or the desire to get our finances sorted. When we did a survey in December last year asking for people's New Year's resolutions, 42% of Aussies in a nationally representative survey said that they wanted to sort out their money, their, their income, sorry, their, their, their interest earned and their, their, their bills going out and, and, and get into a better financial position than they were in the previous year. That came second only to uh, doing more exercise and getting fitter. So it definitely seems to be high on the priority for Aussies. But people tend to um, not really want to put the effort into to actually compare financial products, to actually assess what's on the market, to actually make the switch. So often the, the energy isn't there um, behind the desire to save. Mm. I would bet um, my life savings that every year the top two uh, goals after New Year's Eve would be fitness, sort your money out. Yeah, and the third one is probably drink less alcohol, I would say. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> true every time. So, Graham, there's no doubt that, you know, we've re- recently been through COVID and, you know, that's had impact on people's personal finances as well. But more broadly... How are you seeing any changes in behaviours from, I guess, an Australian perspective when it comes to things like savings rates, spending decisions, and then also investing decisions? Okay, this one is really interesting because we've been running a project for the last two years called the Consumer Sentiment Tracker, where we survey a thousand nationally representative Aussies every single month, and we ask them a standard set of questions about their spending habits um, and their product usage and uh, about a, a whole other plethora of questions of things that are happening in the kind of news guys and stuff. So we've been able to track the responses of these Aussies from before um, COVID kicked in and kind of changed everything in Australia through the course of COVID running through to now when COVID is or at least was previous to two weeks ago, less of an issue in Australia. And savings was one of the questions that we decided to ask people because at Finder, we obviously have access to a huge amount of internal Finder statistics and data based on financial products and all of the stuff released by the Reserve Bank and the Australian Bureau of Statistics and all of these data resources. But we weren't able to find out how much people are actually saving in their savings account per person every single month. So we decided to ask that question. It was the first question we put into the survey. The question was, how much are you saving into your savings account every single month? And the first thing I want to do is, is find out what you guys think that number might be. The amount of money the average Australian is saving every month. 
In okay, in actual dollar figures, the amount every on average every Australian is saving per month, I'm going to say six hundred bucks. I think you've. I think that's too high. I'm wow. going to say two fifty. That is very interesting because this is this is this is a topic that created a lot of hot discussion before we actually ran the survey for the first time two years ago in Australia and. That was generally the two sets of, of, of views. One was it's going to be kind of six, seven hundred dollars, and one was that's way too much. People aren't going to be saving that much. It's, it should be lower. That was almost exactly how the team split in terms of what they thought was going to happen. The actual figure turns out it's somewhere between six hundred and seven hundred dollars. So you were pretty right there. Okay. There you yeah. Go. That's um, at least half of you was, um, and that's how it. <laughs> That's how it bounced around, right? So if you look at the first 12 months of our survey, so starting in early 2019 and going to early 2020, the amount of money people said they were saving in Australia bounced around roughly between 600 and 700-ish. It kind of bounced up and down. Then as soon as lockdown, lockdown kicked in across Australia in April 2020, the numbers started to rise and continued to rise all the way through lockdown. So it's you know, six, 600, 700 for 12 months. Then it starts to go up to 800. By the time we hit um, kind of May in, in 2020, the number, the amount of money people are saving in their savings account starts to hit nearly $1,000. $950 was the peak. Now, it didn't stay at 950 all the way through the lockdown period, but it did stay higher through that whole period than it had been previously. And then started to dip a little bit, but then started to recover. So the most recent figure from June... Um, is $983 is the amount of average amount of money people say they're saving in Australia every single month. So that's definitely heading in the right direction. That's something we like to see at Finder. The second question is how much do you think people have in their savings account on average? So the total uh, average balance in your savings account in Australia, what do you reckon? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, savings account average balance, 12500 so, well, I'm going to say if people were saving on average 600 to 700 a month, you're talking what, like five, six grand a year. Um, average I'm lifespan. Gonna say, I'm, gonna say like, yeah, I'm going to say like <laughs> 30 grand average savings oh, account. Okay, you got it right there. The opposite way around, it's, it's 30 grand, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I like okay. the, the, nice. the, on the on the spot calculations there. It's 30 grand on average. Actually, weirdly, it's higher. For women than men. So the average amount for women is 33,000. The average amount for men is only 27,000. So this is Australian spending habits heading in the right direction. We seem to have, you know, realized the importance of having a safety net due to the, the more risky environment of lockdown and, and employment uncertainty. And um, that trend seems to so far uh, be staying. That's definitely a good sign. And, and just out of interest, is that just across all age brackets that you've um, done research on there? Yeah, the trend is going up among all age brackets. Obviously, that the the amount being saved and the amount being the amount in the savings accounts is higher for older demographics. So, baby boomers is the highest, and it goes lower the younger you get. But that just makes sense because your income tends to go up and your um, equity tends to go up as you continue through life. So that's that's a trend we expect. But the overall chronological trend is definitely heading in the right direction. Spending was the second part of your question. There is is different spending. We've actually seen a dip in. Mid last year, when lockdown started to kick in, and it's kind of basically returned to normal. We're actually spending more on credit card May this year than we were May last year, for example. Um, and the overall household spending has gone back up. So that's one that's kind of returned to normal, even though we're not circulating as much. People are spending as much, probably more online than before, uh, as they did before the pandemic kicked in. 
Mm. I find that really, uh, like, I don't find those numbers surprising with, you know, people locked down, they can't spend as much. And so the outcome of that is they're saving more. What what I do find interesting is that the, your most recent survey, which I assume was pre this latest round of lockdowns, um, people were still saving that amount, it, which is good. Like it hasn't just the economy's opened up, people go back to spending and the savings rate goes down again. Yeah, no, that's been definitely very good to see. I mean, it's it's all about um, making sure that you save more than you spend, and that's the way you build uh, build equity, and that's the way you know you, you develop a, a kind of more certain financial future for yourself going forward. Even aside from any investing, you know, you need to have that stability to be able to start investing in the first place. Mm. Um, and then the other part of that question as well was was regards to investing trends. So I don't really cover investing, stock market investing and stuff too much myself. I know you guys will talk to Kylie from Finder who does cover that. She can talk about that particular topic. But one type of investing that's gone um, crazy recently is housing investing. So if you look at the amount of money borrowed in Australia um, every single month to purchase housing, um, and you track that over time, that never passed 16 billion ever until October 2020 when it hit 16.5 past 16 for the first time and has remained above 16 every single month since then and has actually um, peaked over 23 out of the last six months. So basically every single month is a record that's nearly beating the previous month in terms of housing spending. Um, So it seems like the the kind of low interest rate environment, fear of missing out um, is definitely fueling investing in that particular resource more than anything else. Yeah, well, higher savings, more cash in the bank to put towards a deposit. Mm. Can't go on the ski trip over in Europe or any other international holidays. What do you do? You buy a property. I haven't been able to buy a property yet, though, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not contributing to that 16B. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that the Aussie market's on fire at the moment. Yeah, I actually did. I bought a house about a year ago, uh, right oh, in the nice. middle of the original COVID uh, madness. Been looking for about two years in Sydney's inner west. Um, and went to a few auctions and was a bidder in a few auctions and never managed to secure anything, but did get something finally um, a year ago and was I uh, was a bit concerned as to what was going to happen to the housing market then, but obviously it's been fine. So <laughs> yeah, hopefully, it's been more than hopefully fine. it continues in that vein. <laughs> so Graham, you know, you've mentioned there the, the main issue that we face is apathy um, and there's no doubt that that carries more broadly across all finance. We've, we've done a, you know, a few episodes on superannuation as well and um, the apathy that Australians have towards that. Um, in your view, is the government sort of doing anything or uh, could be doing more to address some of the issues that we're seeing in, when it comes to personal finance in Australia? Um, in terms of, that's a good question. In terms of financial literacy, I mean, that's pretty okay. There seems to be a, a, a decent level of understanding among the Australian population. The one metric where we do fall behind, though, is debt, when we look at debt. So um, other international statistics looking at um, debt as a proportion of GDP, household debt, um, that produces an almost opposite table to the financial literacy table. If you look at those statistics, the highest amount of debt, Australia comes second in the world, I think uh, behind, I think, Switzerland, um, in terms of the amount of debt per household. So debt is one of the bigger issues facing um, Australian um, consumers, definitely. A lot of that is obviously driven by the housing market, um, which it needs to be said here, doesn't always go up in value. One of the phrases that nobody ever uses in <laughs> Ireland anymore post-GFC is safe as houses. So if you're going to get into the housing market, obviously be prepared that uh, you know it's not always be going 
going to be going in the same direction. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all that Australians have a lot of debt. One, because of that housing number, and two, we're the home of buy now, pay later. You know, we're the we're the credit innovators of the world. So. But look, uh, speaking of debt, uh, that's really the first step on everyone's personal finance journey. If you want to get your money sorted to get started investing, you start by clearing your debts. So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna have a chat about that uh, in a second. Talk about some of the steps you can take, some different strategies. Uh, but before we do, we're just gonna take a quick break. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, Graham, as I mentioned there, uh, the first step on your journey to investing is getting out of debt or getting your debt sorted. When we read uh, or listen to personal finance experts, we often hear about this concept of good debt and bad debt. So, maybe if we start there and if you can help us understand debt, what, what does this distinction refer to? That's a good question too. That kind of depends on who you're asking, but the way I kind of view it is there is not all debt is bad debt. Um, the way you divide it up is that good debt is debt that could potentially help you build wealth going forward. You know, So if you have a home loan um, against a house, but the house is going to continue to increase in value, that's debt that's going to end up being more useful to you further down the line than it is right now. Bad debt is any debt that's you know not going to have that um, behavior moving forward. The big one here is credit card debt. Credit card debt is something which is um, very high in terms of the interest rate. Um, if you don't pay it off, it, it starts to mount on top of itself even further. Credit card debt is probably the worst type of debt you can have. Home loan debt is probably the best type of debt you can have as long as you can manage those repayments. So it's it's a question of whether the debt is contributing to something bigger in the long run or not. What are some of the trends that you're seeing when it comes to credit card debt here in Australia? In terms of credit cards, we've actually seen a, a dramatic change in the numbers in Australia over the last number of years. We've seen the amount of credit cards in the market declining pretty significantly. We've seen millions of cards less uh, uh, prevalent in the market than they were a number of years ago. We've seen the amount spent on cards per card go up, but a lot of that is because there's less cards in the market and it's an average. And it's really because people are moving away from credit cards more to what you guys mentioned earlier, buy now, pay later services, especially younger Australians, you know, are, are, are in a stage now where they come out of university, they start to use these BNPL services. They're less risky than credit cards. And these people, these Australians may never in their lives ever need to have a credit card. So there's definitely a generational divide um, in terms of card use in the market. And it's more prevalent with older Australians. It's, it's, it's almost an old fashioned, uh, almost <laughs> form, of, uh, form of, of debt right now. Mm. I made a bold prediction on our uh, TV show on Ausbiz that the last credit card will be issued in the 2020s. Do you think? Uh, do you think that's too bold? I actually think that it'll. That's probably half truth. I think. I think they'll emerge. I think they'll merge. I think the definition of what is a credit card and what is BNPL, those things will start to become more flexible, and one will start to. We've already seen some credit card companies issuing cards that behave similar 
to be NPR services. We've seen payment services like PayPal now offering um, delayed payments. So I think there will still be credit cards, but they might not operate in the same way as they have done previously. Credit cards are very, very expensive. 20, 20%, 19.4% is the average um, regular card in the market. And that's a huge um, amount of interest to be paying. And the, you know, there's nothing really on the market that compares to that. Having said that, credit cards are still a really good resource if you are trying to get value out of the money you're spending in that situation and you can afford to pay it back. There's still really good value, for example, in rewards cards in Australia. If you want to build up frequent flyer points, the rewards value you can get for taking your cards in Australia is among the highest in the world. It's much higher than it is in most countries in Europe, similar to what it is in the US. Um, if you can, if you're confident that you can put your spending on a credit card, and pay it off every single month and, and not risk getting into that high-level debt, then cards are pretty useful because you can get value from your spending where you can't with other types of spending. So that's where cards can actually be useful in Australia today. Surely the buy now, pay later services will start introducing rewards at some point in time, you would think? Oh. They have done, they have done, but they're not um, they're not anywhere near the same level because those companies don't make as much money as credit card companies yeah. do. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I started getting into frequent flyer credit cards when I joined Finder seven years ago now. And I've built about half a million dollars, half a million frequent flyer points over that period of time via applying for different cards, via basically uh, going for every single frequent flyer acquisition option available <laughs> and then putting all spending on the card and paying it off. So it is possible to do it, but you need to be really careful because that interest is very expensive. Yeah. 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 So we've explained the concept of good debt and bad debt. Uh, good debt being debt that you know helps you build wealth, bad debt being debt that doesn't essentially uh i guess the next question that we often get here at equity mates is um you know should i start investing or should i pay off my debt first um now everyone's personal financial circumstances are different um so there's not a blanket answer to this question but i guess how would you generally go about approaching answering this question this one also depends on who you ask i I presume when you speak to kylie our investments editor she's going to give a different answer to what i would give in this situation but i would generally say it's a good idea to pay off your debt before you kind of get involved in any other investments but it depends on the type of debt you know if it's credit card debt that's going to make a big difference to um the cost that you're paying every single day if it's your home loan you're not going to be able to pay that off very quickly so it depends on the type of debt but again, there's no reason why this is not necessarily, this isn't a zero-sum question. You can pay off your loan and you can cut a little bit to the side and you can also invest. That's probably the best way forward. But generally, it's best to try and stamp out debt as quickly as you can. I'm very debt-averse myself anyway. Just bought a house though, so. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, but I'm trying to, trying, to, trying to pay that off as aggressively as possible as well. I don't want to need to pay, still paying this home loan in 30 years, you know. Sure. Um, such is the fun right now. I just bought a house and also plays the credit card balance transfer points game. <laughs> yeah, the spending there has gone down a little bit since the mortgage kicked in, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so, Graham, there's no doubt that Find uh, helps a lot of people, you know, understand more about debt, compare credit cards, compare opportunities to consolidate finances and that sort of stuff. So, from what you're seeing, if you are in a position where you might be struggling a bit with debt or looking for ways to at least improve the situation that you're in, what are some of some of the strategies to help with debt? Um, you know, consolidation, paying off high debt first, those sorts of things. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with those two kind of suggestions there. It's basically that. It's basically look at the interest that you're paying currently and try and find a way to translate that debt into another form where you're paying less interest. So, for example, credit card debt. The average credit card balance is about three grand. Most people have 
somewhere around 1.8 cards, let's just say two cards, that's six grand. 19.4% is the interest rate. If you were to pay that balance off over two years, you're paying about uh, $1,300 in interest. That's the cost, right? If you were to transfer that to a personal loan and get a good value personal loan, about 7% is kind of a good rate right now. That Paying that off would only cost you four fifty rather than thirteen hundred. So really, trying to get rid of all that high expensive interest debt first and consolidate is the way to go. But if you are running into difficulty here, there is the national debt hotline, which is eighteen hundred double oh seven double oh seven, and those are the guys that can provide you with you know straightforward help and advice if you are getting anywhere near being um, in, in financial trouble or, or any significant amount of debt. If you are, that's probably best to steer away from investing. So, Graham, I was speaking to someone in the Equity Mates community and that, and I was asking them about investing because, honestly, that's that's all I talk about. I'm a pretty boring guy outside, outside <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> um, and I was asking them uh, if they had started investing because they were saying they were interested. And they said they wanted to pay off their hex debt first. Now... A lot of Australians have hex debt. Uh, for those listening overseas, it's student loans essentially, but from the government rather than a private lender. Um, how do you think about hex debts when it comes to that choice of paying off your debt or investing? Hex debts is not something I'm massively across for two reasons. One, it's not something we really compare financial products with in Finder. And also, I went to university in Ireland where university is free and we don't have any debt. So nice, to leave nice. university and have to pay back a certain proportion of your wage going forward for many years just seems very daunting <laughs> to me and must be an awful situation to be in when you're entering the employment market. But what I understand of Hexta is that there's generally no interest charged on it. So it's not like it's it's costing you more as it's aging. So it's probably best, you know, with any debt to pay it off as early as you possibly can, but it's not as risky as credit card debt or home loan debt or personal loan debt. I think that's a key thing that's coming through in a lot of these answers is when you when it comes to debt, like the critical thing is the interest rate. And with with investing, then if you build in an expected return, you know, hex, you're not paying any interest. With when you invest in property or shares or even bonds or anything, there's an expected return, and so you're better off getting that expected return when investing if you're not paying interest. And like comparing the interest rate versus the expected return is how a lot of these decisions are made. Yeah, that's actually key. I mean, the, the one way most people can save the most amount of money in the least uh, the shortest period of time is by refinancing their home loan. That's the interest rate that's in your life that is going to cost you the highest amount of money. If you apply. 3% or 4% the amount of money that's on your home loan over the course of your loan, you know, the amount of interest you're paying back is massive. So, you know, the, the, the easiest, quickest way to say for most people is not to invest, is actually to, to, to look at trying to get a, a lower rate home loan. And right now, with all this competition in the market for home loans and all coming from owner occupiers, the banks are falling all over each other to fight um, to acquire those Australian owner occupier uh, customers. So right now is a really good time to be looking at refinancing your home loan if you do have a home loan that you're paying off. So Graham, another part of debt that is often, I guess often has some myths around it is the credit score and in, and like, what does it mean? Is it important? Should you be looking to improve it or I, I guess hold it at a certain position? But let's start at the top and I guess say, what what is a credit score and, and do they matter? They matter and they will matter more going forward in Australia um, than they do now. So your credit score basically is a, is a metric that banks use to determine how risky you are to lend to. It's a score that generally goes from zero to a thousand with some providers. Some go from zero to twelve hundred, but it doesn't really matter what the scale is. 
But the higher the score, the less risky you are as somebody to lend to for a bank. So the higher your score is, that will determine how likely you are to get approved for a loan or a credit card or a housing loan. Um, and it can often uh, uh, change the interest rate that you might eventually get charged. So if you're a low-risk consumer, you'll generally get a lower interest rate. You'll be more likely to approve. And um, any uh, credit you get going forward will be lower cost than if you're a higher risk consumer it'd be more costly for you then so it's a very important thing for people to know in australia i don't think most people know their credit score but thankfully it is available for free via uh, what you mentioned earlier the finder app which you can use to check your credit score for free and also you can use to um, relieve yourself of the burden of this lazy tax of not comparing your financial products that you're using with other products on the market the finder app can look at your bank account look at how much you're spending on certain um, outgoings and then potentially recommend better value products in the market. So credit score checking and um, um, product checking in the Finder app. Something we often hear within the EquityMates community is the phrase, you should get a credit card just to show that you can manage a credit facility so that you come out with a good credit score when you actually go to take out a loan later on down the track. Is this a uh, fact or fiction? Bryce, I love your question. I love your question because <laughs> we get this question a lot and we didn't ever have the ability to answer this question until recently, until Finders started providing credit scores. We were able to then collect anonymized credit score data um, from Australians across the market so we can see how credit scores have kind of changed over time and have changed depending on what's in people's credit reports. And we were then able to kind of crunch the numbers and have a look at people who have had credit cards and have had loans of people who haven't and how that's affected their average score. And based on that research, I'm able to tell you that having had payment history, having had a card and paid it off successfully or a loan and paid it off successfully tends to increase your credit score by somewhere between 10 and 15% which pushes you into the next bracket in terms of um, how appealing you look to a lender. So it definitely does help to take out some sort of credit product and pay it off regularly. And as long as you can do that, you're building up good credit history and therefore a better credit score. Yeah, wow. There you go. Never knew that. So, Graham, one, uh, when I think credit scores, I think the US because, you know, you, you hear about it in uh, a lot of like personal finance experts from the US, but uh, their relationships with credit scores is probably a lot different to us in Australia. Uh, it feels like very adversarial over there. You're really fighting your credit score. Um, and one thing that seems to be a feature of the US market is if you check your credit score, it hurts your credit score. Um, is that the same in Australia? In the US, it's, it's, the credit score is a much, much bigger deal than here. You know, I've, I've spoken to people over there who've had their credit score checked when they go to rent an apartment, for example, which is not something you're ever going to generally experience in Australia. Here, it's only when you go and apply for a financial product, but it is becoming something people are more and more aware of going forward. So I think it will become more and more important. To answer your question directly, um, if you check your credit score yourself, if you go to Finder app and you get your score, or you go to the Finder website and check your score, that's not going to affect your score. But if another company checks your score, that can affect your score. So, for example, if you apply for several credit cards through the course of a year, every time you apply for a credit card, that credit card company is going to check your credit file and that will be recorded. And the more checks you have on your credit file, that can have a negative effect that can push your score down. So you checking it is fine, but if you apply for multiple types of um, loans, then that can definitely potentially push down your score, even if you don't actually go for those loans in the end. So, Graham, a lot of people are probably hearing about 
credit scores for the first time or, you know, they're very, very new to it. So they now know how they can check it by going to the Finder app. They know it matters and it's going to matter more. I guess the final question is, how can we improve it? That kind of links to the last answer, really. If you can have a, if you can show a constant credit history where you've been able to borrow money and pay it back regularly and on time, then that is what will improve your credit score. So if your credit score is, is too low, um, maybe you consolidate your debt, start paying off that debt regularly and your credit score should eventually go up over time. And you can check it every single month because you have to update it every single month. The final thing to mention here where it's useful to check your score is actually in relation to um, ID theft. I did a have a long piece on Finder where I interviewed um, somebody around a year ago, I think, who actually works in works in digital ID for a pretty big um a player in Australia. This, their whole career was working in digital ID and they managed to get scammed and somebody broke into their bank account and somebody stole all their money and they had to then go through a whole series of loopholes to get it all paid back and it was a nightmare and multiple hours on hold and all of that. The one thing checking your credit score can do is, is give you an early heads up if somebody has potentially hacked your identity because you will be able to see in your credit report, depending on where you go, whether people have applied for credit under your name. So somebody hacks your identity and they apply for a personal loan under your name, that will affect your credit score to go down and you can then investigate why it's gone down and that can reveal potentially if anybody's messing with you behind the scenes. That's one other reason to check it there. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm not, I'm not sure if the Finder app is at the point of sending notifications on if your um, credit score has been pinged, but I did see on Instagram recently another um, another podcaster has uh, signed up to a service where they actually send you a notification immediately if your credit score is pinged for that exact purpose. Um, yeah, well, the Finder app will give you your updated score every month, so you can you can see oh, as it nice. as it moves through time. Um, and I think you'll get an email as well via the Finder website. But it's definitely something we're keeping an eye on because if it's going down and you're not doing anything, then there might be something suspicious going on. Yeah, very interesting. So, Graeme, um, to close out, we should just have a quick chat about um, what you guys have built at Finder. You know, you've got an app that is centered around comparisons, um, knowing where your money is going, credit scores, savings, and also crypto. I think more importantly, what are some of the key insights around sort of personal finance that perhaps we haven't discussed that went into actually building this app and and making it as, um, you know, for for, for the finder audience? The app was kind of our attempt to build a one-stop shop for financial awareness for Australians where you can, you know, one of the things we say is don't be afraid to, you know, open a second savings account where you might get a better interest rate or or look for a different financial product. Don't pay the lazy tax of, of sitting with the same product when better products are available on the market. You do that a lot, you could end up with, I mean, I have three savings accounts um, and that's a lot to kind of keep an eye on and know where your money is and all of that. The idea with the Finder app is you can collect all of that together and see it all in one space. But you can also then use the app to track your spending over time so you can um, categorize your spending into different brackets and see how much you're spending. One of the things I was dismayed to see on the Finder app when I signed up and connected on my accounts was that I definitely spend way too much money in bars and restaurants. Um, so you can you can track that type of thing <laughs> over time um, and maybe control your spending a little bit better. But what you can also do is it, the Finder app can connect to your account and look at your spending and see how much you're spending on things like energy and other financial products, credit cards, and potentially offer and better value products in the market. So it removes a little bit of that effort that's required to switch where the Finder app will be able to go, well, here's a, here's a better value product than you're currently um, using. And, you know, you could look at potentially switching. In future, we're going to build more smarts on top of this and the Finder app will become more automatic in this regard. Um, but right now it's trying to collect all that information together and provide Aussies with 
a little bit more background information and knowledge to help them make better financial decisions moving forward. Now, Graham, I've got to ask, it feels like there's more and more fintechs coming to market every day. It feels like uh, there's so many different money apps to choose from, budgeting apps, neo banks are coming out with apps. There's a lot of choice out there. So I guess, um, why did Finder choose to enter this crowded space? And, and probably more importantly, What's different about the Finder app? Well, the Finder app is, is is trying to do what all of those apps are all doing together collectively. Essentially, your bank app will tell you how much you're spending with a particular bank, you know, and it, it, another financial spending app will tell you you're spending divided over time. But not there isn't an app that will put all of that together with one portal and also look at the products that you're using that Finder has data on and potentially um, show you better value products in the market. So we're just trying to pull as many tools as possible into this one toolbox and put that on the App Store. And that's what's available to consumers in Australia. Also, it's free. We're never going to charge anybody. We're not at the moment charging anybody for the Finder app. So um, that's another benefit too. No, no, no. I, we got you on. We got you on the record saying you'll never charge anybody. So we're going to hold you to that now. I'm not aware of anything coming over the horizon there, anyway. But it's a free service right now um, for Aussies to use, and you can plug your account in and, and kind of use all those tools and avail of all those bells and whistles moving forward. Now, Graham, um, you bought a house in lockdown. You have half a million frequent flyer points. Uh, you're he- head of. Uh, consumer insights uh, at Finder and consumer research, sorry. So there's plenty of uh, advice and, and research at your fingertips. To close out our conversation today, what would be your number one personal finance tip? Okay, my biggest tip would be, and this is pretty boring really, right? But it's get a good savings account. Because if you look at the savings accounts that the big banks are offering, they, well, they're not, no savings accounts that good in the market right now, but they tend to be offering introductory rates for three or four months, then drop. So you'll get one or 2%, but it often drops to basically next to nothing. Um, and you're not really earning any money on your savings going forward. One of the reasons I was able to afford to buy houses is because I built up um, a deposit. And I did that by maximizing the savings that are available in Australia. So what you need to look for in a savings account in Australia is a good ongoing savings rate, not an intro rate, not a bonus rate, a rate that you're going to get continuously always going forward. And the smaller online banks are the ones that tend to offer those rates, the likes of ING, the likes of ME Bank, um, and even the new neo banks like Open86400. All of those guys will offer usually better rates than the big banks always going forward as long as you fulfill some certain criteria. Usually that means that you just do your spending with the bank or you have a, um, a transaction account along with your savings account or you use your debit card two or three times a month or whatever. But once you fulfill those criteria, you can get a savings account with these banks that can be two or three times what you get with the main banks. And that's the, the easiest way, the lowest risk way to make the most out of money and build that nest egg moving forward. Mm. I like I like that piece of advice, Graham, and I felt like you were speaking directly to me there. <laughs> I am the picture of apathy when it comes to personal finance. Uh, we've just done a series on superannuation, and that gave me the spark to move my super. And you may have just given me the spark to move my savings account. <laughs> so it's, it's slowly, step by year. step, <laughs> and through all these series and interviews, I might actually get my finances sorted. <laughs> Nice one. You should download the app, but you're right. We went I actually together. have downloaded the app. I use uh, it. Oh, okay. Nice. That's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we went to get a savings account for the business and uh, they gave me a savings rate of 0.01%. Oh. And I was just like, you're joking. <laughs> I mean, why did you even bother? That's not even... 
I know, I didn't bother. I didn't bother. I'm just like, no. Nah. <laughs> oh, it's not worth the paperwork. But anyway, look, great tip there, particularly if yeah, you are saving for a house or whatever. And, and I think the key message is that it's not too hard to actually put in a bit of work and, and use the app. Yeah, so, and there's um, no reason why you can't have multiple accounts. And, you know, you can sign up with one of these guys and they'll offer a better rate one month and it might switch. You can switch your money around. They're always free, the savings accounts. So mm. it's, it's pretty easy to, to kind of maximize whatever money is sitting in your account may as well be working for you to some degree. Well, if you feel like you want to take more control of your money and actually know where it is all going, it might be worth checking out Finder's app. You can sign up at finder.com.au slash equitymate. So it is the ultimate money app now featuring Bitcoin trading as well. Effortlessly manage your money in the palm of your hand. You can see all your accounts in one place buy Bitcoin and track your credit score as well, which we have just found out is an important step in your financial journey. So, Graham, that brings us to the end of our first episode on sorting your money with Finder. Very much appreciate your time today. As always, it's incredibly interesting listening to what you have to say, and we uh, look forward to checking in at some point on how our our savings rates are going over time. Thanks, guys. Always a good conversation. I'll just say anyone who's interested in, in finding out more, you can check out the Insights blog on Finder where we talk about consumer issues, or you can follow me on Twitter at gcook42, G-C-O-O-K-E-42, um, where I send links to various different news articles and stuff that we release going forward if you're interested in any of this um, in the future. And if you if you want to see Graham's face, if you flick on sunrise or today <laughs> in the morning, there's probably a 50-50 chance that he'll, he'll appear at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the end. Uh, but stick around because next episode, we're going to be talking about getting your money right, checking in with some of uh, the key tips from financial experts around Australia. And then the third episode is all about what you can do once you've sorted your money and turning your thinking to investing. So plenty of content to go here with Finder. So um, we'll pick it up next episode, Ren. Sounds good. Get Started Investing is a product of Equity Bates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.